This is Dave Hodges with the USA Rugby Men's National Team, and you're listening to Rugged Matrix America. Yes, we are back for episode 29 of Rugged Matrix America with the tech guru. Little bit geeky this one, but video analysis is important, but it's marrying all the stats with the video. That's the tough work. Dave Hodges, our special guest, and Bruce McLean. Yes, hello and welcome to episode 29 of Rugger Matrix America. Plenty of people getting involved with the iPod or iPad or even iPhone application. Uh, go to iTunes and just search for Rugger Matrix America and you will find it. Bruce McLean, come on in. What's up, Bronk? <laughs> Good, Good to speak to here on a on a on a spry in a morning. It's nice to do a morning show. We have a wonderful guest in Dave Hodges. And USA Sevens tickets are on sale, Bronk. You know what Las you say? Vegas, you gotta be there. You <laughs> gotta be there. That's the place to be. And I'll say I, I think that they're really gonna increase what's going on in Vegas. If you think it was fun last year, I think it's going to be twice as fun this year. It's going to be a tremendous event. Really looking forward to it and hope, hope everything goes, uh, goes to plan. I mean, last year was outstanding. And if they can, if they can, if they can even get 10% past it, it's going to be one of the greatest weekends of your life. Yeah. And special guest, Dave Hodges, before we go to Dave, I cannot believe it. I thought you asked enough questions to fill the entire universe last week, but you're going to raise the funding issue again. Let's get it out of the way, get it on the table, get it off your chest. I just had some people who were saying on on blogs that I went o- I went over. All I'm saying is, if I were to look at the books at USA Rugby, and I were to take a look at the check register, and the chart of accounts, and and the general ledger. I guarantee you that I could find $300,000 that would be better spent on youth rugby. I guarantee it. That's all I have to say. All right. And that's it? That's it. All right. Well, let's welcome him in. None other than Dave Hodges, who's a bit of a tech man he's as well as a great coach from the Eagles. Dave, welcome. Good morning to you. Good morning, Joel. Good morning, Bruce. Good to, good to be on again. All right, before we go any further, I've got to ask you, gentlemen, did you manage to see the Tri-Nations game at the weekend? I did. I, uh, it was a 4 a.m. wake-up, but it uh, got up and watched it. What'd you think? To... What'd you think? Ooh, I, I thought uh, uh, Australia was... thought they would be a little bit better than they were, and I thought New Zealand was very good again. Well, uh, clearly the All Blacks are a different level at the moment. But um, more importantly, there's a clear difference in the way the game's being played. The pace is enormous and ball in hand is incredible. Yeah, that's what? it's uh, the, the way the All Blacks are playing. I think it's going to be tough for anyone to keep up with them. I, I, think, that, I think that the games in the Tri-Nations have been tremendous. And the All Blacks have really shown a, a great deal of class in their ability to... They, they, they really won the physicality battle with Australia and they won the physicality battle with South Africa. And, and I thought that 
the Australian lack of discipline, and I didn't see the first yellow card because they didn't really give a, a picture of exactly what happened. Oh, it's pathetic. The second, yellow, pathetic. the second yellow card was just ridiculous. They it both was, were. It was, a, it was just a foolish – and, and, and you, you can't win test matches against the All Blacks if you're going to lack discipline in critical areas. And, and then, you know, the option of taking the scrum, I, 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 I didn't quite get that either. I didn't know where they got that uh, – where they got that thought that they were they were going to be able to have a scrum at the five yard line and take it in, I thought they were a little hard done, hard done by on the video match official. With the video match official, when Pocock scored, I think that in the old days they would have given that try, and I think that what happens is the referees go to the video match official. If you have say a seventy five percent eighty percent chance that the ref would have given the score in the old days. Now it becomes if you if if the camera angle wasn't perfect or his body's in the way they don't give you anything, and I think that the, that the referees are using that as a crutch and a bad crutch at that. I, I would I would hope that referees have the guts to when there's bodies over the ball in the try zone and it's driven in that you know and you're unsure but you probably would have given it into the old system. I think you should give it the frenetic start to the game was amazing, and I think uh, this game is getting faster and faster every year. And under the interpretations, Dave, um, you have you will be left behind if you're not fast enough on the paddock. Yeah, I, th- I think the interesting part of all of the that game and and the Tri Nations so far is um, everyone's talking about New Zealand being able to play from anywhere, but the re- I think one of the reasons they're being able to do that is I mean Bruce said physicality, but I think it goes beyond to when they have the ball, they're winning the collisions. So they're one-on-one. They're getting going forward, and the ball is coming quickly because of that, and the defenses are scrambling. So I, th- I think that is the key to their, their attack. It's a great thing to have, Dave, on because when we talk technology, there's no better person in the game in America, frankly, to talk about it and the use of um, video in particular. And I know you've tried it not always successfully at New York Athletic Club. One of the video camera stories comes to mind from this year, but it is playing a, a bigger role as time goes on. Well, Bronk, I, I really do I do think that video analysis is, is critical to success going forward, and we're going to speak to Dave quite a bit about that, and I, and I just want to get right into it. Dave, this is a, this is a time of year that you've, you guys do video you guys do player evaluations, and can you just talk us through the player evaluation process and how video is integrated into that? Uh, it's just a bit expanded on what we do per game, really, Bruce. It's uh, We do have a, an individual player matrix that we uh, look at after each game, and uh, player every time a player is involved, he's graded, and uh, that goes up on a, on a matrix that makes sense in our strategy and so when we do the uh, individual player analysis after an assembly uh, each player is graded or, or by the coach that responsibility for instance Mike Tolkien there with you takes a defense gives them what they've done well and gives them some things to work on in different categories within the defense and then the same thing with Dan Payne and continuity and, and likewise. What would a typical player evaluation be for, say, a blindside flanker? Does Bill Bill do one, you do one, Mike does one, Dan does one, or, 
you know, does everybody do a little bit of each player or do you guys break up the players and and do the whole thing for each guy? Yeah, that was that was what I was getting at. Maybe I didn't explain it very well. But, yeah, we'll take each guy, each player will be um, evaluated by the coach in that area. So um, a, a forward like Phil Thiel, all the coaches will have an input with with the exception of, because he's a hooker, with the exception of Matt Sherman. And then um, if it was a back, all the coaches would have um, an input into their area with the exception of um, the scrum with Bill LeClerc in the, in the line-out. Although, although um, scrum halves do get into the line-out with us as well. And and what type of things would you tell certain players? What type of what type of video would be on those? And what type of you know if you could give us a say a sample of without mentioning a name? Yeah, just the the player evaluations um, are different. Now we have the guys get their video moments from all the games they played, and they get them with the the evaluations on there for that specific moment. For instance, if a if a player had a um, tackle and it was a dominant tackle, that, that text would show up on that clip of him so he could watch that. But it would also show up if he missed a tackle um, in that regard as well so they can see uh, how we've graded them, what they need to work on, and they can match that up with the written player evaluation as well, which is the how one long- where each coach uh, – I, I do the video ones after each game, and then, and then the coaches typically will look at those – um, in, in total for the Churchill Cup because we can combine all of them and they'll take a player and go through all of his moments from, from the Churchill and then they'll do, like Dan Payne will do the continuity based on all those three games. Uh, so I was, I was wondering if in, in, in the written player evaluations, if there's video backup, like in, in, to say you give it to them in PowerPoint or whatever, that sometimes you can put a video in it. I think you use a, a different program with the Mac, but you could, could you do that where you have the video, like, hey, you, you know, you, your footwork in contact, you, you, you're taking steps that are too long, bop, 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 and then have video, video backup to it. You know what I'm saying? Yes, and Bruce, we're not quite there yet, um, but that is the next progression. We're looking at a few things where we can take the video uh, in an online environment just within the group and um, so that if you were lo- if you had logged on for instance Bruce and you were a front row player we could say Bruce take a look at uh, scrum three and five and we want want you to look at your bind here and focus on a few areas and and then we could go from there so uh, and, and then you could take it on and then somebody from if, if there was a defensive issue or we could say you know, you're tackling really well. I want you to keep emphasizing your footwork here and, and take a look at these clips where you did these three things very well. We could, and so that's that's probably coming in 2011. And speaking of that, we, we talked about a uh, an issue in the lineout that, that you noticed on video in terms of players having flat hands, meaning that their hands are straight, and having cupped hands where they, they would, you know, your hands would be in a, in a slight cup position so you can make a diamond on, uh, or a triangle at the top of your, uh, at the top of your 
throw above your head. And could you just tell us, like when you when you just took a quick look, there was a there were a couple small issues, and then you took a quick look at some things and saw that if a player cupped his hands, that they would have more effectiveness in catching the ball cleanly. And could you just say how you know just tell us how that process came about and how it was just it was a good learning tool for you you know for the player and for you to just notice it in practice now yeah i think the um it, it was through uh, doing some analysis and and looking at a few guys who had dropped balls um either in uh open play or with or in uh, the line out that they should have taken fairly easily and uh Especially when they're um, one of the back five forwards, you know you can't just be a, really. You have to be a lineout guy all the, as well as being a good player, like an open side flanker. Pretty much, you have to be able to lift and jump now. So we had a couple of guys who were catching the ball, and their hands were as flat as can be, and um, that was one of the issues where it would, it would just kind of slide off, and then. We talk about getting our thumbs and forefingers together, especially in the lineout, so that at least it was a, a term from my old football coach. He always said, and this was a defensive coach, and we worked on when I played football, and, and you know, even though I played defense, we spent on our one-on-one sessions probably 10, 15 minutes of each defensive session working on, on catching the ball, you know, in the – so we really focused on stopping the ball because if you don't stop it, you have no chance of catching it. And um, part of that issue is getting your thumbs together and your your index fingers together with cupped hands. And um, it, if we can do that, we have a lot better chance than having our hands apart and and uh, flat hands with with a good spread to your fingers. So that's one area that we. We focused on with a few guys were weren't catching the ball that well. Well, as as we're as we're going on, you did a you did a couple things with the collegiate all American team, and 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 one of them was having a kind of a an, a, an animated or cartoon run through the plays that or different plays that they had, and then following it up with a model, a video model from an actual game, and then. Ending it with on-field, on-field training, so that you 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 get all the learning styles. Can you just talk us through exactly what process you're doing it and what areas of play you're doing that with the college all Americans? With the um, college players, what we did so far was um, we put their whole lineout package together with um, animation. So, and then we converted that animation. Um, which is circles and, and numbers and, and some coloring to um, highlight different areas. We've made that into video. So now they can take their um, analysis software and they can pair that together. So they can show one that was in practice and then they can show the animation. And they can do it however they feel best. They can show the animation first, how it's supposed to be, then they can show the video right behind it with what happened. And then they can go on to the next line out and do the same thing. So they can see an actual um, a, a diagram of how it's supposed to go with movement. Whereas some, sometimes uh, static playbooks where there's arrows and things aren't quite as um, clear in terms of where what you want uh, 
the team to take away from that strategy. Do you find that players like this this kind of a model better? Is, is it easier to use in a meeting situation than than the typical old coach up there on on the, on the whiteboard or a blackboard? Given a demonstration and backing it up with a little bit of video, which do you prefer, or do you prefer a combination of all three? We actually get on the blackboard, you use some of the animation, and you use some of the video, the video tools in the meeting room. I'm talking about. Yes, uh, certainly. I think there's still room for whiteboard sessions, and uh, those are still important when you're discussing and going over things. But uh, yeah, I found it pretty useful, and I think. We're just we just kind of gotten to that point in the last assembly where we had all of our uh, a lot of our um, strategies there animated. So, and then we can back those up again with video and and an on field walkthroughs. So I think that we're getting there in terms of uh, a good understanding and and the different learning styles. So it's it's something though that I think as we talked about before, Bruce, that you want to be careful that. Um, that you don't that you make sure that the guys have a grasp and they're not just relying completely on on the technology and uh, so it's important that they spend the time going over this and getting feedback and and having a dialogue on on things and because um, because it can be if you if you just leave it to the technology then there might not be a, an understanding of, of the whole it has to be combined with all those things we talked we just talked about so it has to you have to go over it and actually practice it and um have have a discussion on the key points of what you're trying to accomplish well i think that there's no substitute for on field play i mean you're not going to if you think that you're going to make a player better by sitting there talking to him in a meeting room i think i think that that's that's wrong but i'd like to talk a little bit about leading into the 2011 world cup I wanted to tell us where you are with your video and where you want to be by then. Technologically, do you have do you have like a, a wish list of of products that you'd like to have or a wish list of things within reason that you know w- within a budgetary reason? And then, and I just wanted to talk us through that. Yeah, it will be. It's it's interesting. Some of the new technologies coming up. Um, there's certainly uh, some applications within the the software that we use. Uh, which is uh, Sports Tech is the company, and the, the specific one we use is Sports Code, and uh, they have some applications with the iPad. And uh, I'm going to a training session next week, and and I uh, hope to learn a little bit more about that, where you can do some live coding on the field, um, and within the uh, within our anim- animation of our um, our ploys, there we can certainly. Uh, have those on the iPad as well. So if someone has a question um, or an input to something we're doing, we could whip that out pretty quick on an iPad. Um, so that that'll be an interesting progression there, and without a lot of cost. Um, and you know, the, you can you can take it pretty far, Bruce, as as everyone might suspect. I mean, some of the football teams, American football, we're talking now, they uh, have almost the only uh, the, the only football, Dave. No. American football is the only football. <laughs> how many pro or how many software vendors have you looked at different programs before you settled on what you are happy with? Because there are a number of 
software opportunities available and if people haven't used them what we're talking about here is a link between the video clip the stats and what happens on the field and the player that's basically in a nutshell isn't it yes and we were uh, the first sport um, in America to use sports code um, and that was back in 97-98 and we've been with them ever since, so as the USA national team. Hmm. Um, but having said that, to your question, Jiro, I, I certainly look at software all the time. And for our purposes, I've still found that for our analysis of our strategy and our statistical analysis, as you said, so if, if Bruce made 20 tackles, that, we can show that on a spreadsheet. And he wanted to see the five um, ones he missed, he can click on that number five up on that spreadsheet and it'll be represented in the video just to give a little detail about that. Um, and, and sports code from what I've found does the best for us and someone else may be, prefer another version, but I've certainly looked at, um, other ones and, and looked at some of the ones here in the U S that, um, are a little bit more based around our traditional sports here in the U S uh, and they they have some interesting capabilities, but again, for I think at this point for our purposes, we're pretty happy with what we get. But you still need people to enter the original data, don't you? How does that happen for you? Well, we, we're looking at that going forward, but for us, that's me. And it's a big job. The- it's a big job because the other big unions have staffs of. Of a lot of people uh, who uh, enter the data overnight to make sure it's ready for the team the next morning, they may be travelling to another to another match. Right, and uh, and so that's um, you know just getting that's still getting, Dave. Getting, yeah, it's still it's Dave. Still me. That's yes. still and, Dave. Uh, <laughs> and uh, but I think the good thing about that is you have a consistency because there's there's some interpretation as to what. Um, what you're doing there and if you have four or five different people involved you get a little bit of an inconsistency so while uh, it is a bit of work it also creates a consistency i think in the output yeah and, yeah and but with a with a bigger with a bigger with a bigger pro tournament you have to have that staff but you do have the advantage of have of having consistency that's that's correct and and we're looking at um and and getting some more people involved in this and because uh, as you said, to would you like volunteers? Would you like a shout yeah. out to volunteers now? Yeah, we're uh, we're certainly looking into using some interns for this coming year, and um, that there will be um, there'll be a lot of opportunities and a lot of work to get done, and it'll be, make my job more efficient, hopefully. And uh, but I'll still be very much involved in in the actual analysis, even if we do have some interns involved. But it's a really good way, if you're interested in coaching, to be able to work with a a men's national team coach and to be able to understand how they're thinking and how they put things together. It's it's a great opportunity for for younger players, even if if you have aspirations of being a captain or a select side player or things like that. It is a very good opportunity, so it is something worthwhile to look into and... And not only that, Dave. Dave doesn't just do the men's national team. He basically does all of the rugby in America, 
and it gets to be it, it is an overwhelming task in, in order to just code all these games it's very it's very detail oriented it's very time consuming so if you're interested in doing stuff like this it, you become a very valuable resource especially in America i mean you know in all in all actuality david is the only guy who not not the only guy he's one of very of a very small handful of people who are capable with this type of technologies. Some of the college programs and some of the men's programs in the Super League use it, um, but not to the extent that Dave does. Would you agree with that, Dave? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, this is the first time we've had that this full-time position here in the U.S., and, and so, and, and like a lot of jobs at USA Rugby, we had to combine that with the, the forwards role. Um, but... Yeah, so th that's how the, the opportunity was created, and, and I think most of the, the there are people out there who use it and do a very good job, and uh, um, but they're also like doing other they're um, coaches and they're doing other things. There's not a lot of guys that are, are programs that have a specific video guy. Um, some probably have some interns that um, help them out in that regard, but I think the coaches are still by and large very hands-on with this. Dave, I'm betting that you more than anyone else in the whole United States would know what players are capable of and what they do because you're seeing in absolute minute detail what they do every game. And uh, that has to be a fact because you're, you're putting all the stats together. Yeah, and that's one thing we got after with our Super League this year is we got um, um, of all the games in the Super League, we only had three that we missed, and so it was a pretty good, pretty good year in that regard. And we had a, a pool of players, and we looked at a lot of the same coding that we do with the national team. We did with the players in the pool, and uh, you really learn a lot. And I think the interesting part of it is you get one sense of uh, how they're playing based on the the stats that come out. That's that's one story though, because that's the times that they're involved in the game and uh, when you're when you're not really looking at a whole team and you're just tracking a few guys in each game you can get a feel for what they're doing and there's no hiding then because you're um you see if they're working hard off the ball you see if they have um moments where they're really sh taking the ball or, or, or running at pace and defense so that was a, a, a interesting thing that I didn't expect to come out of it. Um, that that came out, it's, it tells us another story based away from the statistical analysis. Well, it's interesting you raise that because um, when I photograph a Test match or a Super Rugby game, I'm looking at as a as we call in the industry an ISO shot. So you're looking at a player in an isolated position, and when you follow one player for 80 minutes you really get to know them and uh well not too personally but you get to know what they do on the field and bruce you really can tell if they're lazy if they're in, they're actually effective or um they have other issues when they're on the paddock but when you follow a player for that uh, period of time and in a, in a whole game you really get to know what's going on with that uh player's mindset as well because uh, you can tell if they're keen to get to the breakdown if they are keen to to move their butt across the field it's actually pretty interesting that you say that because there's times that you know mike and i and fury and fetty and and maddie will break up 
the game and say, like, all right, watch this guy for, you know, a, a lot of times Michael tell Fury, watch a flanker for 10 minutes or five minutes. Let me know how he's doing. Watch a guy for a certain period of time just to, to see how the, how the bench operation is going. He never really says that to me because I'm not particularly good about watching an isolated, an isolated player. I kind of, kind of keep the context of the game as, in a whole. But so I never really do that. And I think it would be somewhat interesting to take a look at that. Now, I wanted to ask a question of both of you. Firstly, what do you think is a cost-effective way for an American program, whether it be Super League, College Premier League, Division One, or or even or high school program or whatever, could could use video analysis effectively for their teams? Now, Dave, you had done it with Denver for a bit, so you'll have a, a good idea. And then Bronk, you'll you'll know what's going on at Randwick. So I just I just wanted to see. What do, what works for in the amateur play in the amateur game? What works? I guess I would say that um, they would. I would recommend them sitting down with their staff and not getting too carried away and identifying some key areas that they really want to measure. Um, and and then you know you can do that with going through the game. You don't have to have any specific software really. You know, you can say that we want to um, see how many tackles we attempted and how many times um, we made the tackle and was it a good, you know, you can have a, a system for grading that tackle as to how good it was. And then maybe you can have um, times when you created an, an advantage possession when you had the ball and maybe how many times you converted points in the opposition's 22 into or that that time in the 22 into points, I would you know narrow down the focus, and then you can go through a game for in in pretty short order, and come away with some relevant information that um, would be useful to the team. I mean, in the Sydney Premiership, it would be very basic, uh, depending which club, but generally it would be just a case of watching the disc, the DVD that you'd get. And the coach would get to that at some point during the week, and uh, they're very the great similarities between the uh, two's new shoot shield and of course the Super League in the state. So um, the time's limited. Players are amateur mostly, and uh, although there's a lot of uh, professional players filtering down, but in the end the analysis would be uh, very basic, uh, and that would be just watching the main tape. Obviously, the better angle would be a you know you generally have a uh, wide uh, medium and tight uh, in a broadcast game but your your best shot would be the eagle cam the wider shot to tell you what the team's doing in alignments uh, in defense and attack well what we do what we do or what i personally do when i do video analysis at dac it's it's kind of i actually watch the game in slow motion so I actually watch it in slow motion so I could take my notes as to one and lost lineouts. And, and what I look for is quality sets, meaning if you're in trouble, get out of trouble. If you're in the middle zone, find a way to get yourself a first phase or a, or a good ball opportunity in a scoring zone. And by scoring zone, I just mean anywhere inside the kicker's kickable range. So, you know, it, it, it kind of gets 
or anywhere inside the 22 and then, and then a, a, a loop around wherever that kicker's kickable range is. Could be 15, the box of the 15s up to the 40. Could be a little bit further back. Could be a little bit of a loop. But anywhere we can score, if we have the ball, I want to come away with points. And then you look on the converse side of defensive sets, meaning you know if they're in our end, will we able to turn them over and clear them out? If if we're in the middle zone, can we regain, regather possession and get ourselves? And that's that's essentially how we look at it. It's difficult to look from a massively individualist stance. I, I I've looked at tackles and counted tackles and half tackles and things like that. And it gets difficult because you can't always see the guy's number on his back. You got to kind of go based on you know it's that guy because of his gait or because of his cleats or because of the helmet he wears or because he had he has a certain taping on his hand. And it's kind of weird. And I think, Dave, you probably have that aspect when you don't have enough camera angles as well. And, and Bronk, it, what did the Wallabies do now? I get that was what we did. And. And I understand, yeah. So essentially, videotape your games and make make it accessible to your players. There's YouTube ways to do it. There's different channels that you can do. Videotape your games and make it accessible to your players. Am I? Is that what it, what I'm hearing? Well, there, I think you there are, the, yeah. Sorry, Dave. I was just going to say, in terms of uh, a test team like the Wallabies, uh, the video is available almost immediately. The analyst would uh, hurry back to his room. Uh, there'll be multiple angles, and those will be available. It's quite a production, and and and, you know, and I can only imagine what different teams do. I know. I think England are the most spoiled in terms of video analysis. However, uh, there is live delayed feeds in the box for the uh, coach. And then um, various angles are given to the players. And, you know, it's up to them to actually go and seek the information. Uh, certainly some players I'm aware of that, um, you know, might not see the vision until later in the week when they do a team session. But other players are quite diligent, Bruce, and they'll get to the uh, video as soon as they can. Some of them will grab them that night. It might be 1 or 2 a.m. You know, a lot of players get pretty wound up after a, no a night game, so... They're not going to hit the sack till about 4 a.m. anyway, so they'll grab a video on DVD as soon as possible uh, after the game. Others, they don't care. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Bruce, it's important to make it available to the players, but it's also to put it in context. So uh, I think it's great for the players to watch their own performance, but I think you want to have a, a discussion on, on some of the things that you thought were important at, at some point. Um, and then that goes back to, you know, getting together with the staff and identifying what those areas are and then looking at the video and, and either confirming that uh, things are going well or, or that you need to um, improve on some areas. So I think those are pretty, pretty key um, to how things are going to go. And, and some of the, you know, like you said, it is difficult at times to, if you have one camera angle, um, you have to have a pretty good cameraman to be able to, get close enough that you can see things going on and see who's doing it. But also if you just have that one camera, you know, you want to be able to see the bigger picture as well. So it's, um, good cameramen are, uh, hard to come by and they're very valuable. They certainly are. <laughs> I know that. Um, I wanted to ask you more about the iPad application. Is that top secret, Dave? Can you tell us more about it? No, it's not not at all. I mean, they've um, they had some the our software company that we use the 
they've had some things that with the iPhone um, where you can do some coding, some basic coding out at practice. Um, yeah, what does that mean? Have, what, what do you say? What do you mean by basic coding? So, you know, you could, um, uh, if you're watching a, a restart, you could uh, tap a button on your phone that said restart, and you could say, you know, as simple as uh, um, good or needs to improve or drop ball or something like that. Mm. Um, and and you can, then you can go back and, and link that up with the video straight after practice. And um, so you have some basic codes done right in the in the training environment and, and they're moving that on to the iPad and like I said we're having a going to a training session this week starting this weekend and uh, I'm hoping to learn more about um, some of the things they've come up with the iPad so just to be clear to people who are not aware what would happen is you have these statistics gathered during a match and you have to marry them up with a vision how do you do that well there's got to be a set point in time that you start it and uh, it used to be with certain things I was familiar with, Dave, and I'm not sure what you're using at the moment, but it'd be like from the kickoff or 10 seconds before the kickoff. And once you've got a starting point, it's a bit like time code, then all the vision will marry up with the stats that you've got on every player. That, that's correct. And, then, and now, um, with the different... Um, the whales do a good job, and I know other teams do as well, but they take four different feeds from the production truck and uh, they have all of those available at the same time with their their statistical analysis so um, once they've and they do they, they have a pretty big group for their test team that codes live so they get um, and, and I'm sure they go back and, and give it a little more detail after the fact but they right after a game they have a, a pretty good copy of what happened during the game and uh, they have four different angles, so they can, you know, I, I, I would think it won't, we would like to get to a point of having a, a tight view of the of the action from the side, a wide view, and the same from the end-on view, a tight and a wide view. And uh, the nice thing is you can marry that all up. You can have all four showing at once, and then if you say, well, I'd like to see the, the ruck from the side tighter, then you can just click on that and watch that in a, in a big screen um, view and then you can go back and watch uh, have all four showing again at once so that that's kind of a an interesting way of uh, looking at the game Bruce um, a lot of coaches in the Sydney Premiership stand end on are you tempted sometimes to stand there rather than side on in the grandstand well I'm, I'll, I'll tell you from my perspective, it's kind of weird. Sometimes Mike Tolkien will stand end on, but primarily he stands on the side. I am an absolute sideline stalker. I am a, an, a stalker on the sideline. Fetty Reinhardt, the guy who used to coach Old Blue, he always stands in the corner of the end zone, the back corner of the end zone. That's his perspective that he wants. Fury scrunchy. Generally stands on the sideline, but he will go end on at times or he'll go higher up. Um, everybody has their preferences to what, how they like to look at the game. I, I prefer to watch the game from closer to the sideline. It's just a preference that I have. And I don't mind watching the game end on, but I lose some of the perspective as to what's going on in the set piece. I lose some of the perspective as to 
what, how, how a line out is operating or how a scrum is operating. Although you could see it in a, in a, in a different sort of way, it's just hard to see the timing and, and whether or not the, the read was particularly great. I, I kind of would watch that a little more angularly, but, but a little closer. It's just my perspective. It's the way, you know, the way I like to do it, um, and everybody's different. Dave, what's your perspective? Uh, well, preferred perspective, preferred perspective. <laughs> Typically, um, you know, I'd like a, a view from some height. And so that can take care of some of the – You get once you get some height there, you can still get some of the view that you'd get from the end on even if you're uh, side on. And so typically when we're with the U.S. team, we do get a little bit of height. Um, and sometimes we're even up in the, in the box. So, uh, and then we also get the, the feed from the production truck. So, uh, we, we can rewind things and, uh, see an end on view. And, you know, cause you can't, if, if you were just watching the end on view, then you can't see, you can see the width. And if the team, is there, is there space somewhere, but then you lose the perspective of is there you know are you playing too flat or or, or is the is the team have the right depth that you want so you know there's there's positives and negatives about both but I think you eliminate some of those when you come from a view of depth. But if you break it down and let's do it, there are critical things. End on absolutely brilliant for defense. You have to agree, Bruce. Oh, I I totally agree. I and. When I actually went down to uh, to New Zealand to do a bit of coach upskilling with the Hurricanes, what they did is they had they had a coach, an attack coach, and a defense coach in an end-on position, and then they had their head coaches in the box, and they had a guy in the field, and they, that's just how they did it. And they would switch the boxes at halftime where the attack and defense coach would go to a different end-on position it, it, up above. Um, spoke to you and McKenzie about the same thing. And he said that he prefers to be in the stands as Dave does or, or at, a, at, an, at an area of height. And, you know, when, whereas I prefer to be like the Toulouse guy where he's just standing on the sidelines. And a lot of times uh, Scott Johnson tends to stalk the sidelines when, when they don't uh, – if he's allowed to. Because they don't really let the coaches on the sidelines in, in uh, first-class matches. So if that wasn't the case, then – I would move up, but in, in, in my world, I am allowed on the sidelines, and, and, and therefore I will stay there. The other thing, too, in, um, in some of the more uh, elaborate coaches' boxes, you will get a live feed from end on if you want to do it yourself. So, uh, that's what I was getting yeah, at, yeah. Zero. Um, you know, we do, and that's, that's something that um, we're, we're going to be working on to getting – right now we've been working on the, the production feed, but we – Certainly, are going to try to get more in the in uh, sometimes sometimes it's based on the competition rules, and you may may only get one one feed based on the competition rules. So we're going to try to get in front of that and get multiple views going forward. All right, Bruce. The last thing I wanted to cover on this subject is uh, is on the field video, and uh, I've seen it on many occasions with Australia, uh, the Brumbies uh, recently as this year, where in pre-season. Uh, a plasma or LCD screen was used and uh, the moves that they were practicing, uh, their uh, their patterns of play were replayed almost instantly and the team stood around and watched the session. 
they were happy with it, they would continue. If they weren't, they would talk about it and then go back and do it. But it was wheeled out. It's a bit cumbersome, though, so far, uh, until um, you could get some sort of battery-powered sort of system going. But it, it seemed to be an effective way of getting instant feedback uh, while training. Now, I must, I must uh, reiterate here, this is pre-season and not week-to-week in competition. Yeah, I think the, uh, you know, in, in some of, uh, like in basketball here in the States, some of the um, programs have built-in video because they have a, a static environment in an arena um, or their practice facility, they'll have a video built in there and they'll even have, the coach will be able to telestrate right onto the video right after it happens so they can run through, they can video something and come back to the screen or they can practice something, come back to the screen and then the coach can telestrate right on the screen, circle somebody, move an arrow, play it forward, erase the telestration. They, they can do quite a few things, and some of the football teams are doing it as well. Um, so I, I think it's a, it's a real key thing in, um, in that you can't you know, stop every time and come back. That's, that's not how the game goes. But I think it's good for in, pra- in a practice environment where there's a key point that you want to illustrate um, so the guys actually see what happened right then. They haven't gone and taken a shower and come back a couple hours later. It's fresh in their head. They've just done the task, and now they come back and look at it right there. It, it makes it a little bit more clear. One of the things that we've done this year and didn't work out to seeing it right away was this like a $200 thing or $199 thing called the flip phone or flip camera? Yep. And, and you flip and then you can, and you can do, uh, and you can video things. So what we would do is videotape scrums and lineouts and you want to have them watch it. You're watching it on that tiny little screen. Now you could put it into a computer and have it come straight up. We haven't gotten there yet only because a lot of times it's rain and a lot of times it's windy. A lot of times it's horrible, but we do have, and, and I would encourage teams to just get it. It's, it's just a flip, flip phone, you, a flip camera, and you slot in two little AA batteries, and then the, the thing works for like four or six hours, or, or it's two hours at a time. And it's, so H- you could, and you it's could HD get a lot too. Of, it's high definition as it, well. So that's terrific. I mean, those are the types of things, if you really think about it, you can make quality use of your technology. And, and, and as Dave said, and, and anyone would say it, you can have a bit of paralysis by analysis. So you, you need to, to take the important things from it and, and not try to focus in on every single minute detail because if you try to do everything, you're going to wind up doing nothing. Absolutely. And, and if you saw the story, Bruce, of the Getty Images photographer who uh, you know, um, leaked, and this is what we spoke about on Rugged Matrix International, uh, the uh, shot of the moves written on a piece of paper. This is the All Blacks, the world's best team in rugby. And Graham Henry had a couple of moves scribbled on a piece of paper. And it was then photographed and then sent through the wire agency to newspapers around the world. Part of the uh, the deal of coming into one of those sessions is that you're shooting the players, but you're not there to give away any sort of tactics. This clearly was more than giving away tactics. It was These were the moves on a piece of paper. But that was as basic as they get, Bruce. Imagine what would have happened if, 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 the, uh, if the Aussies didn't have that information. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it... Uh, no, I, you know yeah. what? It, it, it is a breach of trust, and, and, and you shouldn't do that. Yeah. And, and, and the fact of the matter is, hey, look, this is... Well, the, point, the point's not so much the breach. The point is that 
These, this is the world's best team. And Graham Henry just had on a piece of paper, he pulled out of his pocket, uh, referring to moves. That's how basic it was. Well, but that, but that's how that's how every coach operates initially. You know, uh, you first. Yeah, I know, draw, I know, I know. Yeah, especially absolutely. Especially an older guy. Yeah. I mean, Graham Henry's not a. You know, if he was a, you know, a thirty-five-year-old coach, may have it on. Uh, yeah, but the point, the, uh, the point I'm uh, trying to make here, Bruce, is that when it comes down to it, it it's as simple as that. It is as simple right. as that. You're correct. It is as simple as that. And uh, he didn't whip out his iPad. Not that he would even know what an iPad is, but <laughs> <laughs> but he uh, has minions who. He has minions who. Do. He has minions. He certainly does. And uh, he was in fine form in the press conference, by the way, as well. Yes, sir, Dave. I was saying that uh, that's it's it was I, I found that very interesting because if you watch, uh, did you have a close look? Have you seen the moves? I did look at him. I, I even uh, tried to um, blow him up on my computer. A little bit. <laughs> but uh, um, you know, if we watch watch uh, the the true football, as Bruce said. If you watch the guys calling the plays, they'll take their play sheet and and put it over their mouth, so that you know you couldn't have a lip reader figure out what you were calling. I mean that's how. So I, I think it's uh, it's something that that rugby will start to kind of get to, as as things become more advanced and uh, as people are always trying to figure out what other teams are doing, and uh, so you know I think a lot of teams now will when the photographers are around those. Those play sheets will be hidden now, and you know, it's it's kind of it'll it'll come into the game more and more. Well, it's sad it shouldn't have happened, and the, and it's just going to restrict access to the All Blacks, which is hard enough to get as it is, and and it's pretty unfortunate actually what happened. Just kind of getting back onto the um, technical side of, of things and the on field stuff. The some of the teams have gone to because it's what players understand that. Uh, They've taken their playbook onto a um, uh, a video game approach, so uh, it, it's you know that's quite a bit of money still, and uh, we're certainly not there. But they've they've been able to you know take a like a EA Sports type deal and put their playbook on there, and then there's interactivity where um, you know you, you see something in front of you and you have to react to it. I mean, they've even taken it to a, a screen, so a quarterback can then sit in front of a screen and they'll put up a defense in front of him and uh, he'll have to make the right read and, and then they, he can throw the ball and they'll say if, if it actually hit the target. Kind of like those those um, virtual golf games you see where you hit the ball into a screen. Absolutely. All right, uh, Dave, uh, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate your time. Um, there are so many more things we could cover with analysis and the technical side. But I think uh, in a nutshell, we've got to use video analysis uh, when it's a- appropriate, uh, don't overuse it, but really highlight the issues that are important for your team and your players. Yeah, I think that's the the key point because you certainly can drill down a little too far, and then and then you get lost in the minutia of all the statistics. You got to you got to take those statistics and then uh, say these are the maybe the three key points of what we did really well, and here's some three things that we need to work on as a team, and then maybe t- and even take that to a player. Here's three or four things you did well, and here's three or four things that uh, we really want you to focus on. Yeah, so we all know that 70% of all stats are made up, aren't they, Bruce? Well, statistics (laughs) are like a bikini. They show you a lot, but not everything. Um, (laughs) 
And uh, I well, one, one of the things, and Dave, we'll probably get you on in a few weeks. Dave's going to be going down with the uh, ARC team, which is the America's Rugby Championship team down in Argentina, to be in a competition down there in October. Yes, I'll be meeting him there. Oh, terrific. <laughs> That's going to be outstanding. Now, one, now, now, after that, one, one of the things that came out of this game and comes out of every game is the ability to counter pressure with pressure. And, and, and good teams are able to counter pressure with pressure. And the best way to do that is from a restart. Is after a team has scored on you or at the beginning of the half, you have an opportunity to regain possession. The All Blacks... You know, not only because of scrum dominance and 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 loose play dominance, the All Blacks dominated the restarts, which really kept the Australians under pressure the entire game. Oh, they annihilated so, them. They and annihilated. I, and I think, and I think that the next time we have Dave on, we talk about the restart and and its importance and different tactical things the teams can do and different practice things the teams can do to improve on their ability to be able to be effective at restart time. Because scrums, lineouts, and defense are what everybody focuses on. But there are as many restarts in a game as there are scrums. I figure each team's going to score five times. Then you have your your beginning of the game and your halftime restart. So you're going to get at least 12 of them in a game. It's about how many scrums you have. Well, there weren't too many scrums in that game. There weren't too many scrums. There were nine. There were... were, uh, there were nine for Australia and three for New Zealand, and Australia lost three at her own, and New Zealand won all of theirs. So, yeah, you don't okay. not, not only when you win the restart, if you're attacking with pace and, and you, you treat a restart like a turnover, that's 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 also a great opportunity to really change the game in an instant. Yeah, and it's it's a great opportunity to, to change the game because you have just been scored upon. Or the half or the, or the game has just started. The other thing is, if you're able to secure your restart, you have now assent, asserted dominance in the fact that you scored and now you are in control of the ball again. And now in control of the game again. So the restart is a critical time. It, it's a real momentum changer. It's, the, it's probably the greatest momentum change in the game. Because it's it's a time of of true change of momentum either way. Yes, indeed. And so um, I think from next week, uh, Bruce, we'll be starting our uh, Rugger Matrix America Masterclass officially. We'll have a, a Masterclass uh, at uh, the back end of, end of each show and probably make it half the show. Thanks, Bronk. And Dave, Dave Hodges joining us. Have a good weekend and uh, we'll speak to you very soon. Thanks, Zero. Thanks, Bruce. Take care. That's it for another show. Don't forget, we are at rugbymag.com and you can leave comments and you can download us from iTunes or follow the feed link. We'll speak to you all next week. <laughs>